1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos, but first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. And guess what this weekend? It's NFL Wildcard Weekend. So what are you waiting for? Head to BetOnline because it remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, new updated desktop, and a mobile website to get you all set up. So sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Football, basketball, hockey boxing you name it Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 year bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. We're going to have a little Friday fun here, and I'm so happy to be able to connect with another brethren of the Believe Podcast Network. His name is Sam Marcoux. He hosts the Perfectville Pod. Welcome to Perfectville uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. He covers the Miami Dolphins, and we're going to be talking a little bit about a hot rumor, uh, coaching rumor of the week, the flavor of the week, if you will, Brian Flores. But first, let's say hello to Sam. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the pod.
0: Uh, well thanks for having me and very impressive read of the bet online copy this week Uh, that would have taken me probably five takes to do on my own podcast there so i've been here less than a minute i'm super impressed i almost messed up hockey it almost turned into like a foxy boxing hockey situation but you know what that's what you do you just plow through That's that's the whole key to everything Yeah, and the the ironic part about that is off-air, you and I were talking a little bit of hockey, even though we're both football pods here. We were talking to LA Kings, Chicago Blackhawks, so uh, the fact that you tripped up on that word, I think it was kind of like psychosomatic there. (laughs) I automatically just thought about the state of my Blackhawks,
1: and then it just, you know, everything just started really firing off in a weird way. Yeah, we have a lot of interesting uh, sports connections, and, you know, we're here to talk a little bit about the Miami Dolphins, and I'm so excited that you reached out, because I think it's a perfect opportunity to bring you on and kind of bring in some insight in terms of Brian Flores, which is a huge hot name right now, Just not just with the Chicago Bears, but with seven other franchises right now looking to hire their next prospective head coach. So if it's a cool, let's just kind of start and walk through the beginning, try and give Bears fans a little bit of an idea of who this guy is and what the Miami Dolphins situation was leading towards the end of the season. So can you just start, let's just characterize with the start of last year for the Miami Dolphins, you know the what is it? A 1 in 8 beginning to their season. You got two a hurt, you got Jacoby Brissett in the lineup. You know, after making the playoffs the year before, you know, let's just go back to that time. What was going through your mind when they were going through that losing streak right now and how did Brian Flores handle that whole situation in your eyes?
0: Well, so a couple things. We uh, we actually went one and seven before we t- started to turn around. Just a, a, a quick point of clarification, and the reason I bring that up is because there are actually some records set. So I want to make sure that we are uh, we're keeping the record clean uh, when we talk about that. We also did not make the playoffs last year, even though we went ten and six. We were uh, we were eliminated because we just got our we got our entire uh, butt handed to us by the Buffalo Bills the last week of the season. I also blame. Lamar Jackson, because if you guys remember against the Cleveland Browns, he went out with quote unquote cramps, although we all know what was really happening there. And uh, he came back in that game in the fourth quarter and it was like a second pass back and he threw this touchdown. Ravens win the game. If they had lost that game, the Dolphins would have clinched that. Then we would have gone to the playoffs, but that's me digressing. Um, so just to, to kind of answer that question, we go one and seven, Tua Tagovailoa was hurt. He has broken ribs against again, the Buffalo Bills week two. Uh, Jacoby Brissett comes in. We all think great backup extraordinaire. He completed more passes to the ground than the actual receivers, and that was an unmitigated disaster. We had two offensive coordinators. That's right, co-offensive coordinators, and yet a third guy, Charlie Fry, our QB coach, was calling the plays. It was a very confusing mess. Um, I actually put on Twitter uh, back in October that the Miami Dolphins would be firing Brian Flores before the end of the season. Now, granted, he did turn it around. The team turned it around. They won uh, eight in a row after that. I'm sorry, seven in a row after that. Uh, And finished eight and one, finished very strong to finish with a winning record of nine and eight. Uh, As it's coming out right now, I mean, if you look at that, you look at the resolve of the team, right? They usually take on the personality of their coach. So they go one and seven, they turn it around, they end up being uh, eight and seven at one point, nine and eight to end the season. Remarkable turnaround. Nobody has ever seen anything quite like that in the NFL to lose that many, then win that many. Nobody's ever lost seven in a row, then won seven in a row. So you look at that and go, it's got to be an amazing coaching job. Uh, to bring that team together, keep them together when all hope was essentially lost. Um, yet, as we're learning now, and as we've learned over the last few weeks with Brian Flores, uh, it was all not rosy, even during the winning streak. He he really was not impressed with Tua tunga He wasn't impressed with certain players on the team. He wasn't getting along with Chris Greer, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. And as we found out earlier today, he stopped talking to his assistant coaches around Thanksgiving. So all of this winning was happening, yet it was so dysfunctional behind the scenes. Nobody knew. I mean, credit to uh, the Miami Dolphins organization for not leaking all of this stuff while it was happening in real time. But uh, it's, it's, it's the damnedest thing I've seen, Joey. I haven't seen a team be successful, have a winning season while all of this disarray is happening behind the scenes. It was crazy to me. So how he handled it, I mean, well enough to win games. But again, the quality of the opponent. You're looking at the Saints, who didn't make the playoffs, the Jets twice, who obviously didn't make the playoffs, the Houston Texans, uh, a Baltimore Ravens team that didn't make the playoffs. It wasn't like they were beating Super Bowl contenders week in and week out during that winning streak.
1: And this also was kind of a little bit of the narrative that happened to the Colts, too. They kind of hit that heater because their schedule kind of softened up. So that's when people really need to dig in and kind of see what exactly is going on that leads to certain kinds of success. So let me phrase it to you like this, because I feel like from the outsider's perspective, you know, thousands of miles away, whether it is California or talking about Chicago sports, when I saw the hiring of Brian Flores a couple years ago, I immediately thought, you know, he brings a little bit of fire. You see the clip, obviously of him challenging the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and you think that he brings a certain sense of no nonsense fire to a locker room and obviously the Patriot way. But let me ask you the question, in your opinion, who is Brian Flores as a coach?
0: Well, I think you nailed it in many, in many ways. And I'm glad we're talking about this because I think there's a lot of misinformation, both good and bad about Brian Flores out there. I've covered him for the last three years. I covered the Adam Gase era before that. I have friends that work for the Miami dolphins. I have people that used to work on my podcast for your work. (laughs) Well, I have friends that work for the Miami dolphins. Now that used to work on my podcast, that's where they got their start. And now they blew up and and they're, and they're somebody uh, much larger than I am even at this point, but you know, Brian Flores, one of the very first things he did when he came to the Miami Dolphins, it was a culture change. Adam Gase was horrific. As we all know, he was horrific for the Jets. He was horrific for the Miami Dolphins. You had you know, leaders on the team wanting to fight that guy. That's not a good environment. So one of the very first things Brian Flores looked to do was get rid of any player that was going to challenge the system that he was putting in place. Very Bill Belichickian, if you will. I mean, he came from the Patriot way as you, as you mentioned, and he got rid of talented players in some cases, Larry Tunzel went away to the Houston Texans. Minka Fitzpatrick went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenyon Drake, people forget was on the Miami dolphins. He got pushed out to the Arizona Cardinals because, he didn't get along with Brian Flores. So he got rid of the quote unquote, malcontents, first and foremost. Second thing he did is he just said, I am not going to allow stupid mental mistakes. And he put in something called the TNT wall takes no talent wall, very much like peewee football, Joey, where if you made a mistake in practice, you jumped off sides, you had a false start mental mistakes, nothing physical, but just mental mistakes, things that take no talent to not do. You had to get up and run to the wall and come back. Now you're doing that during training camp in South Florida, heat humidity, people didn't want to do it. So what happened? The team started making less mistakes because they didn't want to run. So especially the big fat guys that jump off sides and hold and do all those things. All of a sudden the Miami dolphins in 2019 and 2020 are one of the least penalized teams in the league and happen to be like the youngest team in the league, which those two things don't always go together. So when you look at Brian Flores, He is a guy who says fundamentals are key. If you can't do the fundamentals, we can't do the fun stuff out there. Uh, He is a defensive-minded coach, especially when it comes to the defensive backs. He loves his cornerbacks. He loves his safeties. He loves to use them in different creative ways, especially his safeties coming down, helping in the box. And he almost to a detriment will defer to getting in a draft pick another defensive back over maybe a position of need, even if they're of equal value. So he kind of weighs the defensive backfield more than anywhere else in terms of when he's looking at players from a personnel perspective, but he cleaned up the Miami dolphins culture, at least to start. He brought in a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. He turned them into a ball hawking game changing defense, and he wants things done his way. He is very hard headed in that regard. Um, Say what you will about him, but, Ultimately, his downfall for the Miami Dolphins was because of that as well. I mean, there's a flip side to every coin here, but uh, I don't know if that helps, but I hope it does. That's my perspective of Brian Flores from somebody who was kind of like halfway in, halfway out covering this team, both in Miami, in California. A very hard-nosed approach, somewhat old school, very Bill Belichick-like, but has his issues as well.
1: So, you know, you had mentioned uh, in your previous answer that you wouldn't have been surprised at the 1-7 mark if Brian Forrest was let go at the end of the year. They were able to create this incredible turnaround, almost get into the playoffs, seemingly maybe feel like walking into another offseason, which I believe they did in his first year. You're right. They walked into that offseason with some momentum, quote unquote, which can be a real or an intangible thing in the NFL, you know, depending on who you talk to. So on a level of. You know, I I saw it coming to go, what? Like, you know, when he was fired a couple days ago, before all these reports came out, you know, how surprised were you?
0: Um, I was was mildly surprised. And the reason I say that is Stephen Ross has never hired a coach that's lasted longer than three years for the Miami Dolphins in the 14 years that he's been the owner of the Miami Dolphins. Um, You also have heard rumblings of... Brian Flores, not necessarily getting along with certain players. I mean, it's now well-documented about him and Tua Tunga-Vailoa. We had found on our podcast that there was some strangeness going on between Mike Gesicki, our star tight end, and Brian Flores. If you look at the Tennessee Titans game, if you go back and watch the original um, broadcast of that game, we got our butts handed to us in that game. I think it was 34-3 to or 31-3, to something like that. It wasn't even a fight. But at one point, Mike Gesicki caught a ball, and he went out of bounds, and normally he would take the ball and hand it to the referee or the umpire instead he actually went and flipped it very like non-casually to the coach and it was a sign that there was an issue there between your star tight end and brian flores and when you look back as to times that we have drafted people we traded up for a guy named hunter long who's a tight end at a boston college brian Flores' alma mater because mike is is going to be an unrestricted free agent this off season and it was Again, a very Bill Belichickian sort of move by Brian Flores to say, I can win with you or without you, either get in line with what I'm preaching, or I'll just replace you with somebody else. One of my guys, quote unquote. So it it didn't surprise me because we knew there was some issues there. And I had predicted on my podcast that he was going to get one more year. And if he couldn't do it, then he'd be out because it is year three. Steven Ross is about 88, 89 years old. He wants to see the Miami dolphins become a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender. He's very impatient. So I figured he'd have one more year. Um, So it surprised me that he didn't get it, especially after the Patriots win and sweeping them here in 2021. But uh, it also didn't surprise me knowing the whimsical nature of Steven Ross, our owner for the Miami dolphins.
1: Well, uh, You know, if it's cool, I would like you to maybe, you know, pull up the the garage real quick, Sam, and pull out your bullshit meter, because there are a lot of reports going on right now about and I'm just trying to figure out what's real and what isn't right now. There's one report right now that came out that a lot of young dolphins uh, would said to an anonymous source that he doesn't know how to handle men. Now, I Mm. may be in my mid 30s, but sometimes when I hear a 21 or 22 year old saying you're not treating me like a man. I have to kind of maybe suss that out and look into that a little bit you know what i mean and i've talked to my co-host corey wooten and he says you know look the first two three years that you're in the nfl chances of you getting the same kind of treatment as someone that's been in the nfl for six or eight years it's just not going to be the same it just isn't you have to earn your stripes you have to earn your way and eventually you get through it now some coaches like to treat everyone the same others do have a bit of more of a pecking order so in terms of all this stuff that you're you're hearing out there, the Gasicki the news, the Tua, you know, what are you buying or selling? What, you know, if there's one story out there that has your bullshit meter kind of a little bit higher than normal, what would you say maybe that is in terms of someone maybe s- uh, siding towards the other side more than Brian Flores?
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest bullshit meter I could see was actually Mike Lombardi, former general manager in the NFL, who came out yesterday and said that he was told by Brian Flores that Brian Flores had told Tua Bailoa, I I should have taken Mac Jones instead of you, which just did not pass the the sniff test for a number of reasons. First of all, they were drafted in completely different years. So it wasn't like there was an actual option of choosing one over the other. Uh, Second of all, it just seemed like such a pile on that ultimately Mike Lombardi had to come out and say, oh, I misspoke on the podcast where I said that, which is one of two things. He either made it up, which is, grade A bullshit or something like that did happen. Brian said something really stupid to Tua Tonga Viloa, and you know Mike Lombardi got a hold of it. And then of course Brian Flores got a hold of Mike Lombardi and said, "Look, I'm trying to get a job with the Bears right now. I don't need this out there. Go back and walk it back." Which we know Brian Flores has done. He's gotten media people fired for the Miami Dolphins. He's gone and actually threatened people's jobs when he found out that there was you know essentially leaks that were happening in the Miami Dolphins front office. He's gone after local beat reporters who have reported news, actual news, he would call them up and say, you're going to give the other team an advantage. And it's like, this is public information. It's already out there. If I'm telling people about it, chances are your opponent already knows about it as well. So he doesn't like that. He doesn't like news getting out about him that sheds him in a negative light, whether it's true or not. But that was probably the biggest bullshit meter. The other thing that I think is kind of bullshit is that a lot of Miami Dolphins fans are blaming Chris Greer, the general manager, for some questionable draft picks. And I understand why you're the general manager, but it is very well known that Chris Greer is a people pleaser. Chris Greer is like the nicest guy you would ever meet in your life. And Chris Greer did everything that Brian Flores asked him to do, at least within his power. They didn't draft Tua vailoa and Brian Flores is on the sideline going, I don't want him. I want Justin Herbert. That did not happen. They drafted Tua vailoa because Brian Flores said, go get me Tua vailoa And Chris Greer said, yes, sir. Chris Greer aims very much to please the head coach give him the pieces that he wants so that he can coach to the style that he feels is best so this 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 notion that brian flores had nothing to do with these draft picks is nonsense he had everything to do with these draft picks he had final say not on paper but in reality on what the actual personnel moves are out there so there's a little bit of that bullshit meter that's going on when it comes to that um but you know i i i I think there's a lot of truth as well that perhaps perhaps Chris Greer should have been more of a hard ass with Brian Flores and put his feet down and said, no, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Uh, but those are the ones that stand out to me over the last couple of days of, well, I don't know if that one passes the sniff test. And look, Sam, uh, you know, you don't know the man, but we're in the business of trying to get inside
1: the head of all these other kinds of coaches and players. We do that all the time. Um, it's part of what we enjoy doing. So I want to ask it to you like this. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, this is sort of a trend that we're seeing throughout the NFL, especially when people pluck the apples off the Belichick tree as they yeah. get this arrogant label. Now, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels flames out in Denver, Matt Patricia's disastrous uh, run in Detroit. We could even go back to maybe some of the things that Bill O'Brien does. And I'm missing a couple of people along the way. No, oh, Romeo so- Cornell
0: is out there. Charlie <laughs> Weiss with Notre Dame. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on of bad assistant coaches coming off of that tree.
1: And so my question for you is if we can go and let's just say, let's just look at the trunk of the tree real quick. Uh, You know, Bill Belichick failed in his first position. And when he came back and got a second job, I guarantee you he did a couple of things differently. And I would say, you know, my thing with Josh McDaniels, which kind of intrigues me, and now Brian Flores is now in this category is, they now have the stigma of the word can't in front of them. They can't work with said general manager. They can't work with maybe said player. They can't do this, can't do that. And I'm kind of asking myself, do you think Brian Flores is capable of maybe now seeing what he just did in this first round with the Dolphins, not changing who he is, you know, altruistically, but maybe adjusting a few things, softening maybe a couple of edges here and there, and maybe doing things a little bit differently in his different job, or in your opinion, he is who he is.
0: No, it's, it, you know, I'll give you the fence sitting answer. Um, it's, it's probably a little bit of, of in between. I mean, if he can figure out the good parts of his coaching personality and actual personality and adjust the one part or set two parts that are really, really bad that have held him back so far, um, he's going to be an amazing coach for somebody in the NFL Mm -hmm. or, or even college. I mean, I had a, I had a really nice conversation with, um, a beat writer for the Miami Dolphins, um, This week, and they said he would be a perfect Nick Saban clone, you know, the way he handles players, the way he wants players to talk to him to your point earlier, the younger generation does not agree with how Brian Flores handles them. And people are going to say, well, they're soft. And people think we're talking about Tua Tungavailoa. Think about this. Tua Tungavailoa went to Alabama. Nick Saban was his head coach. You think that guy hasn't been yelled at a couple of times (laughs) in his career playing football? It has nothing to do with the coach yelling at him. It has everything to do with how the coach conducts themselves with those people, everyone's going to have favorites. That is not going to go away. And Brian Flores had his favorites, and obviously, once you sour and blur Brian Flores's book, you're kind of done. We saw that in terms of trading players. We saw that in terms of, you know, how he treated T- Tua Tagovailoa, who was the starting quarterback. Um, but it's not because they can't get yelled at. All these men went to college. They all had college coaches that told them that they sucked every single day, even when they were gonna be a top five, you know, draft pick in the NFL. So it has nothing to do with that. It has, you know, has more to say how he said it than what he actually said. So let's put that aside right there. Second of all, just another point of clarification. Technically speaking, technically speaking, Bill Belichick in the New England Patriots is his third head coaching gig because he went from the Browns That's over right. to the Jets for about to 15 minutes. Didn't like the coffee in the break room and then went back to the Patriots. So technically speaking, third job, but I I hear what you're saying. You know, obviously you have to adjust and, you know, people don't like the quote unquote retreads, you know, people that have failed once and then have moved on, but a lot of successful head coaches didn't win a Super Bowl in their first time. They got it in their second time. Don Shula, the greatest coach, in my opinion, NFL history, but obviously for the Miami Dolphins, he was a retread. The Miami Dolphins was Pete Pete Carroll.
1: Pete Carroll comes in mind too, as well as another guy that obviously when he got another bite at the apple, I don't know if he did things that differently, but he had to have
0: matured and evolved, correct? Absolutely. I mean, Pete Carroll, when he was with the Jets and the Patriots, was not a very good coach. He goes to USC. That probably actually really helped him when he came back to the NFL because I think he was exposed to a different coaching style and dealing with young teenagers in some cases, and then bringing what he knew about the NFL and college and bringing it to the Seattle Seahawks. Doesn't help that. You know, it doesn't hurt to have Russell Wilson either, by the way. But, you know, Don Shula was with the Colts. They got to the Super Bowl, he didn't win it. He goes to the Dolphins and obviously wins two Super Bowls goes to three in a row goes to five overall. Um, But it it just, you can't just dismiss a coach because they failed once. You do have to give them another shot in many, many cases. Now, if you're Cam Cameron, absolutely not. You're not getting another shot. You go one in 15, you draft Ted Ginn's family. That's not going to happen. Everyone's done with you. But Brian Flores will get another shot with whether it's with the Bears or the Houston Texans or the New York Giants. And the number one thing he has to work on is how he deals with other people, right? The professionalism in terms of when he passes people in the hallways, how he talks to people. Number two, in my opinion, he's got to build an offensive staff. He's not good. We went through four offensive line coaches in three years, five offensive coordinators slash assistant head coaches. He doesn't th- he doesn't know how to put together an offensive staff. So he needs some help mm. there. And I don't know who would help the head coach who wants to be in control of everything Until he says I need help and that's really going to be the first step. So if he can find somebody to help him build an offensive staff, let him run with that defense, let him, you know, lead those men get those fundamentals in and then say please and thank you every now and then to people that bring you coffee. And I think he'll be just fine.
1: Well, and you're speaking to two really, really important points when we're talking about the Chicago Bears. Well, the first one is when you speak about Brian Flores, you know, I'm not here to make friends. Well, you know, there's that mentality, and then there's reality. And you have to decide which world you want to live in. And I, I think you're speaking to something where you do have to kind of, I don't know about meet everyone halfway, but maybe just do a little bit more than probably what he thought he needed to do in Miami. And then the second part in terms of offensive coordinators and finding an offensive staff, I think if the Bears go a defensive route, Finding, you know, we have to have someone that can identify talent at the coordinator position. I mean, it's exactly what I mean a lot of ways this sounds like Lovey Smith to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, Lovey Smith, I don't think he r- ruffled as many feathers, but I mean, in terms of media, he was very short, he didn't allow a lot of answers. He liked to keep things, you know, top secret, like you know, these were all government secrets that he had around. <laughs> he constantly always focused on defensive backs and cover two scheme on defense, and he completely continuously got. The coordinator position on offense incorrect and he won football games and he had a structure and there was a certain group of guys that loved him so much but in the very end the fact that he couldn't get the one thing right the offense was kind of his achilles heel i'm kind of hearing almost sort of the same
0: thing yeah and you know one of the things that undercut brian Flores' possible success even in year one is that we had actually brought on we being the miami dolphins uh jim caldwell former head coach for the detroit lions and indianapolis colts uh in his 60s now Really, really good head coach. He's one of those guys that I think you bring in, especially when your system is entirely broken, which the Miami Dolphins were after the Adam Gase era. And Brian Flores brought him in as a special assistant, offensive, you know, talk him, you know, talk to him every single day, kind of figure that out. Jim Caldwell's a very good offensive mind. He had some health issues and actually had to step away before the start of training camp of Brian Flores' rookie head coaching season. Never came back. And I think that actually torpedoed, really, especially in hindsight anything that the Miami Dolphins were looking to do in terms of offensively finding that identity. They never quite had the identity. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was fun. We always like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami and all the other 17 teams that he's played for in his career. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a guy that you're going to win the Super Bowl with. He's a guy that you play Sandlot football with. He runs around. He creates things out of nothing. He has fun. He wears funny clothes. He's got a big beard and he has a couple of good sound bites and everybody's happy at the end of the year, whether you're eight, eight seven, and 9, 9, and 7, because that's what you get when you have ryan fitzpatrick um but they brought in an offensive coordinator that knew ryan fitzpatrick and that was it that was the only reason they brought in uh uh, the offensive coordinator that we had last year was just for ryan fitzpatrick and as soon as you go away from him and you have tua well that offensive coordinator is no longer relevant and then after that we we tried to interview mike mcdaniel the offensive uh, now the offensive coordinator for the san francisco 49ers Shanahan said, absolutely not. You cannot have him and promoted him himself. Uh, So we tried, I think he tried, he had good intentions. It just didn't work out. And eventually it was like, well, I I can't pick between these two internal candidates. So you're, you both get a trophy. You're both the offensive coordinator. And Oh, by the way, this third guy, our QB coach is going to call plays for the first third of the season. It was a mess and it didn't work. It was an experiment that everyone looked at before it even started to bubble up and said, this is going to blow up in our faces. And it absolutely did. So, He's got to fix that, you know, whether it's Lovey Smith 2.0, I don't know what I do know is you're going to get a defense that's going to ball out that's going to turn over that ball every single game quite literally, you're going to score touchdowns with the defense that Brian Flores is going to put together if he becomes the coach of the Bears, but you got to have somebody maybe you need co head coaches, maybe that's the key You have him run the defense and day to day and you have an offensive head coach of some sort. Well, you're 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 offering a really
1: interesting insight because this kind of aligns with I think probably who Brian Flores is, right? Where Ryan Fitzpatrick to me is the epitome of the micro in the NFL. Let's win the game this week, right? And Brian Flores sort of feels like that guy. You know, he only looks maybe you know ten yards in front of him. We're on the we're on the Cincinnati kind of mentality. And probably when you bring in a guy like Tua and you have an entire franchise, you are looking at a lot of broader macro aspects of how to succeed. And so, you know, when they were doing that flip-flop with him, with the two of them, you know, a couple years ago, or I'm sorry, what was it, last year? Yeah. You know, maybe that's what kind of started to create that, what they call now a fractured relationship with Tua. Is that kind of fair to characterize it like that?
0: No, absolutely. I, I really think it is. And I don't think it's even fair for anybody to criticize Tua Tungabailoa's rookie season. And I'm biased. Granted, I get that. But here's what Tua Tungabailoa was up against. He dislocated his hip like Bo Jackson while he was at the University of Alabama. He rehabbed. He came back. He had no offseason, no training camp because of covid. He didn't even know some of the people on his team until they actually started game one because they didn't even have uh, preseason games. And people forget all about that. of Vailoa was physically completely smaller than he is today because he had to spend that entire rookie season basically learning how to walk again. Like, let's not discount that. It was a major injury that has ended people's careers. He came back and played his rookie season. He had an offensive coordinator that was tailor made for the other quarterback. He had uh, no training camp, no preseason. He was put behind the eight ball for many, many reasons. So I fi- kind of look at that first year and say it's somewhat of a wash. To your point, the Miami, the Miami Dolphins were in a playoff chase and they're go- going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. And if they lose, they're out. And the first thing Brian Flores is going to do is grab the hook, pull them out and say, I need Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, who actually went out and won that game yeah. again with a little bit of Fitz magic going on. Um, so, yeah, he does have that win the game right now mentality. What we're finding now is that he soured on Tua Tungabailoa because he found out during Tua Tungabailoa's off days that he's playing golf. Well, it's his day off. He's taking a break away from the facility, away from the team, away from a coach that he didn't like either, quite frankly, and doing something that brings him some calm. Brian didn't like that. Brian is now being quoted as telling people we're never going to win with this guy. And again, once you're in Brian Flores' doghouse, you don't get out until you're out of in this case, Miami, he wanted everybody else. He was the main driver of Deshaun Watson. He was the one that wanted Jacoby Brissett, a former Patriot. He knew him. He was, you know, felt good with him. He liked Ryan Fitzpatrick. These other quarterbacks are what he felt was going to help the Miami Dolphins. Now Uh, he soured on Tua. He wanted him coming out of college and he soured on him and he never got back to that point with Tua Tungabailoa. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 a little sad because i think if they could figure out if they'd gone to therapy maybe couples therapy between the head coach and the i was QB. gonna say
1: i was gonna say what if we sent him a care package of you know the first couple seasons of like queer eye and teach brian yeah. what self-care <laughs> means and taking time <laughs> for yourself or something yeah i mean this also it also sort of feels like something where if people could have gotten into a room and maybe you know aired some grievances you know what i mean not to sound too 2022 20, about it but you no, know yeah. what I mean the, some of this stuff could have been avoided because it just seems like Brian Flores has a, a, an immense amount of talent, but these these mixed signals and these crossed wires and all these anonymous sources coming out really kind of makes it feel more like a, a tragedy, more than like a fait accompli.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he wasn't fired because of the results on the field. I mean, he really was. And Now, if they'd made the playoffs this year, I don't think he gets fired because I think he would have too much success at that point where you would just have a full-blown riot from Miami Dolphins fans everywhere. But he didn't. You know, he, he was there three years. He went 24 and 25 as the Miami Dolphins so clearly put out there, which, by the way, speaking of bullshit, the statement that the Miami Dolphins put out was absolute bullshit. You don't put 24 and 25 showing that he had a losing record as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, unless you're really just trying to dig the needle into a guy that you just simply don't like. You because own that, that record, year, too, gang. Like, you know what well, I mean? You own that. And record by the too, way,
1: Sanchez Flores.
0: That first year, they went 5-11 and 11 with a roster that Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young, came out and said, the Miami Dolphins should be investigated because this is dangerous what they're putting on the field. <laughs> yeah,
1: That's how bad roster. the roster
0: was. And he went 5-11. and 11. You take that out, he's 19-14. and 14. There's only nine other teams that have a better record over the last two seasons than the Miami Dolphins. He's a good coach on game day. He makes some questionable decisions about timeouts and time management, but every coach does that. He's a good game day coach. The problem is he's not, you know, he's not good Monday through Saturday. He's good on Sunday. And ultimately, Stephen Ross said, this is going to be a big problem. We can't get over this. Maybe they did put him in the room. And he said, I don't like this room. Trade the room to the Niners. Let's get out of here. It just didn't work out. So ultimately, I like Brian Flores. Uh, I wish him success as long as he doesn't beat the Dolphins while he does it. And whoever gets him, as long as he can learn a couple lessons, again, they're going to get themselves a good coach.
1: Yeah, it's just like a quick uh, follow-up on that. Got a couple more questions here with Sam right here on Believe in Bears talking about Brian Flores, the coach that could become the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. I believe he's interviewing with them today, which is very, very interesting. So I'm glad that we're doing this now. Yeah, so if you were walking down the street, you know, take your mind off the Dolphins for a second. You're walking down the street, you see a want ad, and it says looking for head coach, and it says on there um, chairman of the board, Let's just call him George for right now, um, says, you know, I'm I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I don't want to get involved in football operations. We're looking to hire a, a GM who, in theory, would become the president and the expert of the entire organization and also hire a coach. We don't want anything to do with it. We want the GM and the coach to come together and take on all of this power all of this responsibility, all of this control and help build a winning franchise, would you hire Brian Flores in that situation?
0: I think Brian Flores would apply for both jobs and want to take two salaries and be the general manager and the head coach. I mean, everything (laughs) double dip. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, everything we just talked about. I mean, he wanted absolute control of the Miami Dolphins, even though he already had it. He just didn't have it on paper. The problem with Brian Flores is his timing sucked. He went and tried to get more power and strip Chris Greer of his power officially during a time when they were one in seven. And when you have very, very bad results, you go, can I get a promotion, please. You know, your boss is going to look at you and go, well, I don't know. I'm here, and you're kind of a dickhead to people. Sorry for the language. But I mean, I, I think for the bears, and I'm just, hypothetically speaking, the bears, uh, if you're going to hire a head coach before a general manager, Brian Flores makes a lot of sense, mm. but it will change the type of general manager that you are going to have. You are going to need a general manager who Uh, is able to absorb a lot of punishment from his head coach is going to, you know, meet the demands of that head coach and be okay with that and sharing that success with the head coach. In this case, Brian Flores, if you hire a general manager first, then maybe Brian Flores isn't the guy for the Chicago bears, because now Brian Flores is walking into a situation that he doesn't have control over. He's walking into a structure where the general manager is going to have more power than him. And right now, Brian Flores has options. You know, I hate to say it, Bears fans, if you really, really want Brian Flores, he has options out there. He's got a good name in the coaching circle, in the general manager circle, in the NFL in general. Yeah, if I can interject, Texans, where, where do you think yeah. he
1: goes? Where do you think he ends up?
0: I think you, the think are betting the, man right now. I, w- I will say this. I think the Bears are probably the best fit for Brian Flores long-term. I mean, if he were to take a look at you know, let's face it, the Detroit Lions aren't very good. Dan Campbell can't even spell Dan Campbell. No offense, Detroit Lions fans I believe in Believe in the hey, Lions podcast. Uh you have a point. <laughs> he's he's a the former Miami Dolphins head coach himself. Uh, you have the Vikings who are looking for a general manager and a head coach, you know, in their own right, and then you have a Packers team, which is obviously one of just you know they're they're one of those franchises. I hate to say it, Bears fans that everyone else looks to and says, why can't we be them? Mm-hmm. But they have all kinds of issues right now with Aaron Rodgers and his feet and his weirdness, and you know, and 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 Devontae Adams possibly wanting to leave. They're going to have to franchise tag him. So. If you're Brian Flores, you're walking into a situation with a Bears team that's had some decent success uh, recently. I mean, you guys have been world beaters, but you've been better than the Dolphins. And you're in a division where I think you can capitalize on weak divisional opponents right away. Outside of that, the Houston Texans look mighty enticing if you're Brian Flores mm. everyone knows he wants Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback the Houston Texans can have over the next five years whether they trade him for a buttload of picks and draft five quarterbacks or not Deshaun Watson's better than anything they're going to get if Deshaun Watson can play with Brian Flores and swallow his pride and stay in Houston which I'm not convinced he can Now you also have a really bad division where only the Tennessee Titans are good. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, not very good. Um, uh, uh, Who am I, who am I missing over there? The Colts. The The Colts, uh, they're okay. They have Jonathan Taylor and not a whole else. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So I I think those are the two front running places for Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores avoids the New York Giants like the plague. Uh, Mm. So it's really going to come down to, I think, what he thinks he can do within a division. You know, can he win with your guys' young rookie quarterback or no longer rookie quarterback? Or does he take a chance that he can win in Houston and convince Deshaun Watson to stay? And if that's the case, if he can keep Deshaun Watson in Houston, then that's probably the best move for Brian Flores. But I don't see that happening, which means the Bears probably make the most sense for Brian Flores right now
1: and you mentioned something pretty intriguing in terms of just the Bears' situation in terms of he loves remaking defensive backfields i mean we have a front seven that is at least set up to compete and at least be above average to possibly be elite for at least the next one or two years, definitely, yeah. I would say. I mean, three is a bit of a stretch. In terms of our backfield right now, it's kind of a blank canvas. We have Jalen Johnson. we got to make a decision on Eddie Jackson's money, but the safety and the cornerback and the nickel and whatever you want to do with that rotation is completely up for grabs right now. That could also maybe be uh, intriguing for Flores to get his hands on too, as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you guys a little bit of X's and O's with Brian Flores. If you aren't familiar with the types of defense he likes to run, um, he likes to be very creative with his defensive fronts. He likes to bring a lot of bodies up to the line, in some cases eight in the box. And what he really wants is he wants cornerbacks that can be press cut. Coverage man-to-man out on an island if he can get that if he can have cornerbacks that can just run with that wide receiver on the boundaries then it is game on for brian flores on a defense because then he can bring those safeties up we had a lot of success with javon holland all pro rookie as uh, this year in 2021 as well as uh, uh, a couple of other guys uh, brandon jones from texas He's, i think a two-year vet now coming down to the to the line of scrimmage and blitzing off the edge there. Uh, he runs something to zero defense where again you have eight people on the line you don't know on the offense who's coming who isn't you have defensive tackles dropping into coverage you have linebackers coming you have safeties coming you've got you know Every single – the look looks the same every single play, but who's coming and who isn't is completely different. It drove Lamar Jackson nuts on Thursday night football this year. He looked like he'd never play football or the quarterback position ever. He could not figure out this defense. He also has something called the Amoeba defense, which I think you guys have probably seen. We employed it a couple years ago, famously against Justin Herbert in his rookie season, where the entire defensive line, the entire defense – is just standing and they're moving around, but they know what they're doing and they know exactly where they're supposed to be when the ball is snapped and the offensive line and the offensive blocking schemes are like, we don't know who's coming and who's going. Why are they all up? They look like they're dancing. We're very confused. We're slightly scared. Oh, look at that. Justin Herbert's on his back again. So he gets very creative with that defensive front. If you guys have a, 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 a good defensive front and you have some cornerbacks who can cover, you guys are in business with the Brian Flores.
1: I think a little blood just leaked from Jared Goff's ear uh, in hearing that if Brian Flores were to come to the NFC north on that particular one. um let's get you out of here on this Sam. uh really great stuff. Um, but I want to ask you, who do you want to coach the next Miami Dolphins who are you guys looking at right now who are the candidates uh, you know share uh, share some secrets on that end too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, the prevailing wisdom is that Stephen Ross, if you look at his ownership, he's never hired a coach that's had head coach experience. Uh, he just hasn't. And we had Joe Philbin, who was standing next to Aaron Rodgers and somehow got promoted to head coach. We had Adam Wait, that Gase, wasn't who was Jeff,
1: That wasn't Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland didn't hire Joe Philbin, or was that Stephen? Yeah. The yeah, buck stops with yeah, yeah, Stephen Ross. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And, uh, and then the next guy we got was standing next to Peyton Manning and uh, Adam Gates. And then, of course, you have Brian Flores, who was standing next to Tom Brady for all those years on some level with Bill Belichick. We've never had a coach with head coaching experience. Even before that, when he bought the team, Tony Sperano was a first-time coach for the Miami Dolphins, uh, formerly a, an offensive line coach for Bill Parcells and the Dallas Cowboys. So the prevailing wisdom is that Stephen Ross wants a head coach with experience, with a track record of success, who can build a staff around him for succession purposes. Um, that leads you to somebody like maybe Doug Peterson, although he has rumored to not be on the short list of candidates for the Miami Dolphins. Um, everyone says Jim Harbaugh. I still think Jim Harbaugh's in play, even though Stephen Ross says he isn't. I think you guys would probably <laughs> love to have Jim Harbaugh in Chicago for a bunch of reasons as well. I still think he's a guy that the Stephen Ross is going to try to pluck.
1: And, and if I can on Harbaugh, just really quick, uh, the prevailing rumor going around Chicago right now with Harbaugh is Harbaugh does not want to be rejected. You either offer Harbaugh the job or you do not call him at all. So I think a lot of teams like the bears and maybe the dolphins will go through a process of interviewing a lot of candidates. And if they do feel like Harbaugh is the guy, you have to offer it to him he's not interested in going in there and going through the the the, the motions and then getting a rejection call so i think that's Absolutely. where that lands with a lot of organizations right
0: now yeah it really does i mean jim harwell went through the ringer last year i mean the university of michigan press the fans the boosters all were pretty much calling him you know he can't win the big one a year later he does win the big one he does get to the college football you know playoffs and now they're like don't leave don't leave and he's like why would i why do i need to stay i don't need to sign mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm, i could mm-hmm, you know it's everything the world is my oyster right now steven ross uh school of business is at the University of Michigan he's a Michigan alum he's already come out and said he's not going to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan because Michigan is where he went to school Um, but if Jim Harbaugh is going to leave Michigan I have a feeling Stephen Ross is going to reverse course on that and say no no no. I'm going to keep you in the Stephen Ross family here why don't you come to Miami it makes sense they play the Niners next year they play his brother the Baltimore Ravens next year there's like all (laughs) kinds of storylines there he can build a staff he's got a winning percentage in the NFL of 630 if I'm not mistaken I mean he's a good NFL head coach. He's a good college head coach. He's number one on everyone's list. But just to run through a couple of the other candidates, and I'll keep it short. um, The most intriguing one that's out there right now, Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, uh, who also looks like he's maybe the manager at your local Best Buy. 37 years old, you know, Wonderkin. I think he still lives at Mike Shanahan's house. He's been coaching for 14 years. He's the offensive coordinator and the run game, you know, guru for the San Francisco 49ers. He's a guy that a lot of people like right now. Uh, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, oftenly, you know, told that he's the guy that made Josh Allen great. I think Josh Allen's parents had something to do with that DNA and that rocket arm, but I like Brian Dayball for a couple of reasons. A, he probably hurts. You know, when you take him away from the Buffalo Bills, you hurt a rival. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for a certain quarterback who went to Alabama named Tua tunga when they won the national championship. Yep. So he knows Tua tunga and he probably brings Ken Dorsey, local hero for the University of Miami and QB coach for the Buffalo Bills right now, as his OC to the Miami Dolphins. So there's a lot of infrastructure and able to build a staff around Brian Dayball personally. I like him because he's a fat guy and I have a theory that fat head coaches are better head coaches and you guys bears fans that are thinking I'm wrong. I got one word for you. Ditka they're all out there Parcells Belichick's a big fat guy that's why he wears those hoodies the way he wears them Jimmy Uh Johnson was fat he was just short so he didn't look as fat I mean Andy Reid, big fat whale of a coach really really good coach Mike Holmgren was a walrus a literal walrus with a headset on the (laughs) sidelines and he won Super Bowls so I like Brian Dayball from that standpoint he's a big fat guy he's got some success he's forty. six years old. He knows Tua Loa. He's won national championships as a coach. He's won Super Bowls as a coach. It's part of the Patriots staff. So Brian <laughs> Dayball is the odds-on favorite right now. But keep your eye on Jim Harbaugh, Mike McDaniel. I think those are the three right now that a lot of people are going, hmm, perhaps for the Miami Dolphins.
1: I got to throw it out there. Charlie Weiss says, hold my rib tips on that theory. But you are correct. There is a predominant overwhelming amount of uh, of Husky men getting it done in the
0: NFL. I'm with NFL you fat head coaches. You want skinny guys (laughs) who can run up and down the sidelines in college. That's why Charlie didn't work at Notre Dame. He's too fat for the college. I mean, you ever, like I went to a Rams game against the Dolphins a couple of years ago before they opened up that brand new gorgeous stadium, and we're playing in a college stadium, and I'm a grown man in my 30s. I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny, and I had a hard time getting in and out of those seats, man. Ed is not for adults in college. You need young, skinny guys who can actually coach and run up and down and do the rah-rah stuff for college football. Not, But in the in the pros? No. You need, you want a big fat guy. Uh, Believe Podcast Network's Perfectville Pod. Sam
1: Marcoux joining the pod, man. Dude, thank you so much for hopping on. I'm so glad we connected, man. Uh, I learned a lot. I hope Bears fans learned a lot too as well because there's so many different candidates out there. You see one thing, you read one thing, and you really got to hear from people that have been so dialed in as you have been about coaches like Brian Flores uh, because it's important. You just want to know what you're getting yourself into, especially if the bears end up offering him the head coaching job. You know, thank you so much for joining the pod, man. Uh, do us a favor, throw out all your socials, all the different ways for people to connect with you and your co-host, Chris, um, moving forward. Because even if they aren't you know, Miami Dolphins fans, I'm sure you guys bring great content all the time. Hopefully you can come back to our pod. I'm happy to go on yours or whatever. Let's keep this connection going. Let's keep talking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Bears and the Dolphins play next season, uh, if they I'm do. not mistaken as well. So, uh, we to have a nice rivalry Yeah, yeah. We, we play Green Bay in Miami. We play I think we play, we might play Chicago in Miami. I don't I don't know the split there. I think we play Detroit in Detroit. Um so, yeah, it's it's between Minnesota and uh, Chicago as to who's coming to South Florida and who's that going. That screams to, uh, of a Thursday night game.
1: That just reeks of a Thursday well, night TNF look, if, situation.
0: If, if, if Brian Flores is the coach for the Chicago Bears and former Chicago Bears quarterback Jim Harbaugh is the head coach for the Miami Dolphins, I think we're going to have ourselves some sort of primetime game. I'm just, you know, just just a hunch in my opinion. Um, in terms of my socials, at Perfect Bill Pod on Twitter, at Perfect Bill Pod on Instagram, we've got a Facebook page. Uh, you can check us out on welcome to perfectville.com. That's our official website. I write for that website as well. Going through and redrafting the Brian Flores era drafts right now. That'll be out next week. Mm. Uh, they actually didn't do so bad him and uh, him and uh, Chris Greer, but there were a couple of obvious myths. Uh, Noah Igbenogane instead of Jonathan Taylor comes to mind right off the bat. Uh, Austin Jackson instead of Justin Jefferson, you know, again, just another thing, which would have helped the bears, by the way, if we'd taken Justin Jefferson instead of Austin Jackson, but I'm um, going through re- redoing You know, the, the, the Miami dolphins drafts as we speak. Um, And then, really, uh, the last thing I'll say is that I think Bears fans can agree with this. We had a taste of it. You guys had a full meal of it. Jay Cutler is absolutely the best and worst person simultaneously at the same time.
1: He's all of us in one package, isn't he? He's the light and he's the dark. Uh, I can't get enough of him in his post-career. His post-career, I think, has been so amazing like Absolutely. i really i i thought he was going to be the guy that just disappears and you never hear from ever again but oh contraire no 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 he's no. giving you the full dose um you know very cavalier. i watched every episode because of jay i i'll be unabashed I'll, i will definitely say it um i completely agree with you okay
0: he, he is the NFL quarterback equivalent of Jimmy Carter. If you look at Jimmy Carter's presidential, you know, four years, everyone says it was a disaster. But since then, he founded Habitat for Humanity. He's basically yes. been the best human being on Earth ever since he got out of office. Jay Cutler, marginal quarterback in some cases. Uh, but since he's retired, still has the cigarette, still has the sunglasses, still don't care. But uh, we love him for it
1: smoke and jay baby great way to end the pod man sam thank you so much for coming on the pod man really great stuff today's episode of believe in bears Uh, with Joey Christopolis was presented by betonline.ag 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and what better time to get that welcome bonus than this weekend for NFL wildcard weekend just use promo code believe BLEAV thank you so much for checking out the pod all week and next week we got plenty of great guests coming up we're going to be following this coaching search every step of the way so make sure you come on back until then be well be safe please be good to each other and remember you got to bear down